Welcome to Lead with Confidence, the podcast where we will explore the journeys of leaders who inspire, empower, and believe in others. Join me to discover your self-confidence in love, life, and leadership. I'm Desiree Petrick, owner of Intentional Action, motivational speaker, and executive coach, and I can't wait to join your journey to learn what it means to lead with confidence. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation between my friend Jordan and I. We talk about what it means to find your purpose and passion, potentially where you currently are in your position, but also what it would look like if where you are is no longer serving you and what do you do next? How do you make sure that you are not tying your value and your identity to a job, but truly adding value and gaining value from where you are? We also talk a little bit about how to stop people pleasing and figuring out what you want, how to apply and retain the things that you read, because when you're reading 60 books a year, it can become really difficult to actually apply what you've read. But we're also going to talk a little bit about what it means to lead with creativity, overcome resistance to change, and Jordan shares a profound definition on his take on the word discipline that just blew my mind. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my friend Jordan. He is a coach, strategist, artist, and he calls himself a recovered lawyer. Prior to his coaching practice, he practiced law for 10 plus years in the entertainment industry and was a founding partner in the entertainment focused law firm. So here we go. Hey, Jordan. I'm so excited for this conversation because leadership is something that I really love. And I think that your take on bringing creativity into the leadership space is just fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and what brought you into creativity in the leadership space? I had a background in the arts. I've been involved in the arts for a very long time. And then I went to law school. This is like 20 years ago. And I always sort of envisioned bringing together a legal practice and an arts practice. And that's actually what I ended up doing. Um, For about 12 years, I was uh, an entertainment lawyer. So I worked in the film and television business. I advised mostly producers, um, although some writers, some directors, some performers in terms of not only their legal stuff, but um, more of the time business and strategy decisions and really helping them find ways to build their lives while reconciling their business obligations, their legal obligations, and their personal sort of desires. I did that for a long time and I was good at it. But I noticed that in doing that, I was losing a little bit of that for myself. I was in a leadership role. Uh, I've been in a number of leadership roles, but in my my legal career, um, you know, I was a partner in a firm. I had associates, we had employees. Um, I was relied on by clients to lead them through challenging situations. And for me, there was this niggling question of, you know, well, what is the best way to lead here with confidence? And as I continued to do that work, I noticed that parts of myself were kind of being left by the side of the road. And each time I neglected a certain part of me in in leading, uh, I had less confidence. And um, eventually it got to a point where I was like, you know, I can keep doing this work, but I have little confidence doing it anymore. Um, Mostly because, and I've had the benefit of time to consider this, but um, I think mostly because I don't feel like I'm bringing all of myself to what I'm doing. And it's, it, for me, it's, it was hard to be confident um, knowing that I was choosing to kind of ignore aspects of myself that I wanted to be expressed in my work. And in my life. So did you feel like 
you had the passion for the job that you were doing and it kind of dissipated? Or do you feel like you never felt that true purpose and passion in what you were doing because you were doing it for someone other than yourself? It's a good question. It's partially that it served me until it didn't serve me. Um, it was never a question of whether I was good or not. It was more just a question of, is this, is this filling my bucket? And it did until it didn't. Um, and that, that changed over time. I mean, there are a few points in my life, like having children, um, you know, shifting career significantly in terms of like my, my business structure, um, COVID, like there were a lot of things that sort of changed how I, how I reconciled with my career. But, um, but mostly I think it was, um, just a, a slow process that eventually hit, hit a tipping point, um, for maybe reasons I'll never understand. So I think that answers the first question. Could you repeat the second question? I think it was more just, uh, did you feel like it was something you were doing for you? And once you felt that it was no longer serving you, what was that process like to kind of come out of that? And how did you decide what to do next? There's the open-ended question right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first part of that, you know, was it for me? I mean, I, I I've never had a boss, so I've had partners that, you know, I've had, I'm accountable to people, including myself, but I've never had a boss. So, um, so it was always for myself in a way, but it wasn't, it was for, it was for myself financially. It wasn't for myself in a way that would lead to, you know, my increased development as a person and as a leader that, that took some, some realization. And then the question of course, of, well, then what do you do instead? That's a, that was a slow burn as well. I think it took me many years just to even accept that, like, as an archetype, um, you know, I'm an artist. So that doesn't mean that I'm painting and drawing and photographing every day. Although I, I do engage, I have an art practice, but it's not my full-time job. It took some time and some work working, you know, with coaches, with my therapist, you know, with friends and colleagues and family to get to understanding, okay, how do I, how does that part of me which is, you know, let's call it all of me for the time being, um, express itself most truly in my life, right? What are the ways that can do that? And looking back at the work I had done for so long and looking at the positions I'd always found myself in, I've always been approached for advice. Um, and so, and, and I always found that the most rewarding, frankly. You know, when you're a lawyer, you, you kind of, you're kind of a therapist too sometimes. And when you have certain clients that you've worked with for a long enough time, they'll ask you all sorts of questions, you know, and, and you talk about life because these are relationships. Being in that role of a trusted advisor is, um, it's a privilege. And uh, I always valued it and I still value it. But I wanted to do that in a way that would bring the most possible impact to people I work with beyond simply dollars and cents, beyond simply transactional types of engagements. And so after, you know, doing a lot of research and trying out a lot of things um, and working with all sorts of different kinds of people in the coaching and, and therapeutic spaces, I arrived at, okay, you know, I, I think I could, I think I could be a coach. And so that's what I do. Most of the individuals that I've had the pleasure of working with have a hard time understanding that their value is not directly correlated to the job title that they have. How did you separate feeling valuable in this position that you've had for so long to then be able to find value in yourself as a person and the skills that you had taken from everything you learned? 
Wow. That's, that's a good, deep question. Um, it was really hard. Honestly, it was, that may have been one of the biggest challenges I've faced in life. I often liken leaving the leaving legal practice. I mean, look, I'm still a lawyer technically, but I don't practice. And, um, I think like a lot of professions, you, you start to wear your job as your identity. And so once you make a decision to shed the job, it feels like you're shedding a skin and, and that could be painful. Uh, it, it was for me. So, or you're hitting the nail on the head in terms of mixing up value with identity or value with profession, especially on a personal level. And for me, I felt that. And it took, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of love and support from, you know, my wife, my family. Um, and, and it took a lot of me asking really hard questions of myself, you know, and, and sitting with the discomfort of it, like really, really sitting with like, okay, you know, like what, what are you, who are you, you know? And I started to connect more with like the things that I can't really change about myself, nor do I want to, like, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a son, um, I'm a friend. I have all these relationships I've built up over the years, right? Through legal work and not, you know, none. Um, and I started to really work on understanding and, and uh, appreciating like the fullness of what, of my life and what was in my life. Um, I also had an experience um, where, and we don't need to get into the details of the experience, but um, where, you know, I had this sort of realization of like, look, everything, anything that truly matters, you're not going to lose. And that was, that was big. That was really big. It, it made it easier to get over the, yeah, this is a big shift and you're going to, maybe you'll lose prestige. Maybe you're, you're for sure going to lose income right? Um, you know, maybe you'll lose friends, you may lose clients, you might lose relationships on and on and on and on. But um, the things that really matter, I can't, I'm not going to lose them. I can't lose. Them. So a, a big group of individuals that I work with are high achievers. They're the people who show up to work, they do their jobs, they do it well, they don't ask questions, they're just doing everything they can to please other people. That people pleasing keeping up appearances, trying to impress people. So how do you come out of that mentality of always wanting to be everything to everyone to do what it is that you want to do and spend time being quiet and all of a sudden get uncomfortable where you've been comfortable for 10 years? Well, there's a, there's a very glib way of answering that question, which is like jack of all trades, master of none. But you know, that's, that doesn't help because that's advice, right? The way I, I usually work with my clients is, and a lot of them come with that same question. First to ask the question of like, well, what is it going to take for me to know? How am I going to know? What evidences are going to be there for me to know? And that's different for every person. And I find that that evidence reveals itself when we spend time, not just in our thoughts, but also, you know, spending time with our emotions, spending time with our, the way things feel in our bodies. A lot of us aren't acquainted with that. And it takes practice, you know, sometimes, you know, I have one client, for instance, who just the idea of sitting still for five minutes and just like doing a body scan, it, that's very, very difficult. Um, and it's supposed to be difficult. 
but it can give you like this whole new world of information. Yeah. I tried breath work for the first time this year and it was uncomfortable. I cannot sit still. (laughs) So I'm one of those people talking to me. Well, I'm sure you can sit still. It's just that maybe you start with a couple seconds and then you build. The things that all of a sudden come into your head when you create that space, actually listen to your own thoughts instead of being you know, in this world of 2023, we're on information overload and constantly taking in other people's thoughts and feelings and making them our own. It can be uncomfortable to just sit and actually listen to how you feel and what you think. Yes. And that hearing what you feel and then trying not to feel it is the is a source of anxiety. That's where like the, the rub is. The friction is right there. And a lot of the time, with my clients, we spend, sure, we, you know, most of my clients come to me with questions of work and career. and How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better advisor? How can I be a better employee? But the answers to those questions are internal. There's nothing I'm going to tell you that's going to answer that question. And so tuning in and listening to what's happening inside and also while doing that, noticing, okay, like this is just a thought. Like it's not going to last forever. That's incredibly powerful. And and it, and it allows, as you've said, for the space for other things to come up. And then we have to sit with those. Do you feel like your ability to have done that on your own, maybe without prior knowledge of that is because of your background as an artist and that creativity space that you hold? Or is it something you learned from a book? Ultimately, I think everything I've learned comes from a book somewhere but I may not have gotten it from the book. The emotional stuff I think comes from having been in a very emotionally driven industry for a very long time and learning sometimes better, sometimes not so good to handle um, and be with the stuff that comes up for myself and my clients. But also, you know, like I'm a therapy junkie. Like I, I learned so much by going to therapy and that's just a constant exercise of looking at myself. I think that that has been pretty fundamental to me in terms of my own self-awareness and then being able to draw on that and then use that with, with clients. Certainly there are books that have helped, but I'm a big believer in we learn more by experience than we do by simply studying. So for me, that's always been a key lesson. Yeah. So something people always come back at me with when I say I read 60 books a year is, well, there's no way you can retain all that information. What what good is all that reading if you can't actually apply any of it to your life? So I know what my answer is to that and I'll share it, but I'm curious, what would your answer to that be? This may sound a little woo-woo. I'm all into the woo these days. You know, it all gets stored somewhere, right? You might not know where it is, but it's but it's there. Oftentimes, it's just we just need a little help remembering it. You know, like what I was saying earlier about clients needing to um, look inwards to find answers to their questions as opposed to outwards. Everything they need is already there. You know, it's inside. It's just a process of like, oh, remembering where it is, right? And asking the right questions. Exactly. And asking the right questions. And it's just, you know what, like you may have this experience, you know, when you've read something and you're like, oh, I know I read that somewhere. It's on the tip of my tongue. Like I need to, I need to just like get it. And then you keep trying, 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 and you can't find it. And then like an hour later or a day later, it just pops up 
because you haven't even been thinking about it at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what happens, it, but, but it's a process of creating the space for that to happen. My process is if I read something that hits me, I'll highlight it. I transfer everything into a notebook. And once a week, every couple of weeks, I'll read through that entire notebook. It takes 12 minutes. And some of the most powerful things that I've read from all of these books get to hit me again in a new way. And you can read something 30 times and it will affect you differently every time because of the place that you're in and the headspace you're in in that moment and relationships that you happen to be focused on in that time. I, I think that all of it is downloaded in a different way into your woo, I guess, so that you can apply it differently to your life. Yes. Um, you know, what you're saying, I find so profound is it's, it's causing certain things to like bubble up in terms of my own thinking. The second part of what you said is it's, it's to me, it's like, it's like poet, you know, it's really profound with poetry, but it's like when you go back to a museum to look at a painting and you keep going back once a month or once a year, or, you know, like I've seen the Mona Lisa a few times. It's not a thousand times, but I can tell you that every time I've gone to see it, it looks I learned something else from it, right? And I'm not really sure what's happening there, but I know that I'm noticing something because even if the painting itself hasn't changed or the poem, let's say a poem, even though the poem hasn't changed, I've changed. And so I'm bringing something different to the work. And in between me and the work, there's this space where that that's where the chemistry happens, right? And it's always going to taste different. That's so interesting. I could talk about books forever, so I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't put that on you. But I want to dive a little bit into the work that you do within teams within businesses. You talked in your on your website about what it means to lead with creativity. So when you go in to work with a team on teamwork or leadership skills or speaking skills, whatever it is that you do, how how are you incorporating creativity? What does that mean to you to be a better leader? It's a good question. And for me, the first is to is to think about our lives as stories. When we're writing a story, we're creating characters, we're bringing in narratives, we're looking at other sources of story, and we're saying, hmm, is my story like that? Or is my story like this story? And when I work with clients and with teams, I draw on a lot of that. I draw on book, I draw on film, I draw on music, I draw on poetry. And, and those, those happen, that happens in two ways. One is for instance, to say to a client, look, right now you're living like a scuba diver with too many weights on. You're trying to be buoyant, but you just keep sinking. And we want to get you to a place where you, you know, are more like a kite, right? You're grounded, but you're able to sort of ride the wind. And and in that shift from heavy scuba diver to light as a kite, we're, we're allowing for the expression of more lightness. That's powerful for me because it lets me understand my clients in a different way. By the way, whether those are teams, whether those are individuals who make up a team or whether they're just individual clients, it, it should also be said that teams are made up of individual people. Mm-hmm. And so we can try to fix, quote, a team, but... Ultimately, a, a team is only going to work as well as how, how much development each member um, undertakes. So 
that's one important way that we use creativity. And the second is to offer those resources to clients. You know, it's, um, it's one thing to say, look, here are the 10 best tips for, you know, being more productive. And, and that's helpful. There's a place for that stuff. Um, but I, I like to go a little deeper with, with clients and with teams and say, well, look, if we think of ourselves as this, is there a book that we can read that tells a story that's similar? Maybe we can draw on the narrative in that story and then talk about it. And it's not like creating a book club per se, although I do like book clubs. It's more, <laughs> um, but it's more about drawing inspiration from art, from creativity that's out there. Like a lot of the time people say life imitates art, right? But art also imitates life. And, um, and we can use the mirror that's created between life and art to learn about ourselves. So, so that's a, a, an important way. And then the other important way, and perhaps more important way I use creativity is that when I'm working with um, clients, you know, we're co-creating the work we're doing together. It, unlike law, it's not you present me a problem and then I just bring you back an answer. And something goes on in this black box, you know, that you pay me to run, right? And mm -hmm. you never decide it. That's not what I do. What I do is we sit, we co-create our agenda. We co-create the outcomes that you want to aim for. I co-create the practices that you're going to undertake in order to help get you there. And in, in order to help empower you to make the decisions that are going to help you move towards the change you want to make. That is the bigger creator element of it, right? There is an artistry in that. And it's not in the, it's not the same thing as, you know, painting a painting literally, but figuratively my clients are looking at the canvas of their lives choosing the colors that they want to include, choosing the brush or the uh, palette knife or, or whatever tool they want to use to do that. And then continuing to adjust it, you know, as they feel is necessary to have this painting of their life look full. I, I think that's incredibly powerful. So what do you, what do you do when someone is feeling really resistant to the concept of adding things into their life to paint a more full picture. What is that conversation if someone is fighting you essentially on on that? The first thing the first thing we do is we ask, what is this resistance about? And then we just sit with it and notice, hmm. Okay. Am I resisting? What does it feel like to resist? Where is that coming from? You know, what else is going on as I resist? And we stop looking at the resistance as this fixed thing. And we start looking at the resistance as like a ball of clay. And you knead it and you shape it and you feel it. Um, and all of a sudden it turns into something else. And then we have a better understanding of it. Um, you know, and then we, and then we can, do, we can apply practices to it. So for instance, um, a simple practice just around resistance would be to say, okay, uh, you know what, three times a day, um, just look back on your past few hours. So let's say like, you know, 10 AM, 2 PM before bed, just look back on the past few hours and say, okay, where did I resist in that period of time? What did it feel like to resist? Um, what can I learn from that resistance and how am I going to use that, you know, tomorrow? I, I'm curious, 
the resistance being the majority, like their role that they're currently trying to play in the workplace, or is it a lot of some of the things outside of that, that could maybe pull in like exercise or meditation or reading or the way that someone parents or how much sleep they get? Where is the connection between what they're doing at home in their own life and maybe the resistance they're feeling in their professional life? That's a good question. That's a fundamental part of how I how I start working with clients. You know, at our at an intake, you know, which is basically the first call, I'm really looking to answer a bunch of questions about their entire life today. Mm-hmm. So we're taking a snapshot of what is happening right now, which by the way is very different from therapy. You know, therapy is looking backwards. We're kind of trying to find root causes. We're look, we're doing history. Um, that takes a lot of time. And it can be helpful in a coaching setting, but it's not it's not the primary um, directive, right? The primary directive is to take a snapshot of what is happening right now. And that includes, what do you do with your body? So that means sleeping, eating, exercising. Uh, Do you have any ailments? Do you have any um, handicaps or disabilities? Do you, um, you know, what is your relationship with your body, right? Then we look at their settings. So where do you live? Uh, do you spend time outside? Do you surround yourself with beauty? You know, do, do you feel safe where you are? Um, we ask questions about their relationships. What is your relationship like to your family, your friends, your coworkers, yourself, intellectually, cognitively? Um, do you have friends? Do you have people you trust around you? Do you have a support network? Um, and so we start to look at sort of their their own story about how they relate to the world. And then we also ask questions about, you know, let me, let me just recap here. We've looked at, you know, your body and how it relates to the world. We looked at your environment. We've looked at sort of your relations. And then we look at culture. You know, so what what is your history in terms of your connection to a culture? Is there a connection to a culture? Um, do you, do you have any cultural difference that is important to the story of your life and so on and so forth. And so in that we are getting some history for sure, but we are really trying to understand a person where they are so that we can meet them where they are. It's no help to my client to be working with them based on where they are 10 years ago. And it's certainly no help for me to be working with the client where they want to be in 10 years because they're not there. So that's, that's a big part of it. And then we look, okay, are there, is there a quote shortfall, let's say in the body area? Great. What do we do about that? Sometimes you should exercise more. Sometimes you should do less. Maybe you need to do some restorative yoga. Almost always there's going to be a meditation or at least like a sitting component. And that's mostly just to settle the mind and the body. Um, but of course, you know, there are a lot of other practices that uh, that can and do get involved. And that depends on the person because everybody is completely different and everybody is really bringing something um, so unique to the work we do that it takes a lot of time to really understand that and say, okay, I'm, I'm f- tuning into my own feeling, my own felt sense of what you are and who you are and what you might need. When you bottle that all together, everything on the professional sense that they're feeling everything 
where they are right now. What do you, what does it look like for you then to say, here's what it's going to take to lead with confidence? What is that profound collective thought that ultimately ties it all together to say, here's what it's going to take? Practice. Just the word practice. no one wants to hear time and practice <laughs> practice and um but but that's really what it comes down to i mean the it's certainly practice but there there would be another sort of way i would describe it if i were to bottle it all up into one short thing which is to say you have an opportunity to learn from and draw on all of yourself, your, your body, your heart, your mind, you know, the story of your life to date. Um, everything that you need to know is already there. Now we just need to know how to mine it. And that's really what the practice is about. And do practice and discipline mean the same thing in your mind or are they something different? I have an understanding of discipline that may be different from the the common understanding of discipline. Um, and that's based on the the word discipline itself. So the word discipline is based on the word disciple, the word disciple. And a disciple is a student, a learner. Um, so in my mind, the practice is a practice of learning. It's not a practice of being committed, although commitment's important. Um, but it's not discipline in the hard, I need to be disciplined sense. It's more in the, I'm undertaking the discipline of continuing to learn about myself and continuing to develop in a way that's going to allow me to achieve my goals, to get to the outcomes I want, to be the person that I know I am. With that definition, it makes it sound a lot easier to incorporate failure and mistakes and risk-taking as less of a and I'll beat all in more of a, we're going to learn some lessons here and use them to build upon. Yeah. I mean, every, every moment is an opportunity for learning. Some moments suck. I mean, like, you don't, <laughs> you know, you don't want to learn. You just want to forget about it. But other moments are fantastic. And we also don't want to learn from them either because we just want to celebrate. So it's, it's a constant building of awareness of this, what is happening in this moment. How do I sit with it? What can I take from it? And that that just that happens forever. Like that happens until we leave this earth. So um so it it takes work. I we talked a lot about books and I kind of gave you a heads up, but still a little on the spot. If you had to recommend one book, doesn't matter, it, it could be a, a children's book. <laughs> what would it be? What's the one that you would want people to learn the lesson from? There's two books that I have found incredibly profound in my life. One is a book I read in law school. It's called Getting to Yes. Now, strictly speaking, it's a book about negotiation skills. But I think that it's incredibly important uh, in terms of understanding how we relate to others and how we can look inward to better understand how to navigate our relationships and our conflicts in order to have desirable outcomes for everybody. So that's been an important one to me, probably the most valuable book I read in law school, even though it has almost nothing to do with the law. Um, the second book is a work of fiction. It's by W Somerset mom, and it's called the razor's edge. Um, 
it's a story about a guy named Larry who is born into a somewhat well-to-do family, but he's unfulfilled. And he undertakes a whole bunch of things in his life that his family looks at and are just like, this is madness. What are you doing? And yet he he sticks with it. He's disciplined in it. Um, and you see him evolve and you see him understand the fullness of himself. And he's happier. And he's not just happier, but he's more content. Mm. That was a book I read a long time ago, which which really had a big impact on me. And there are other books in a similar vein, but um, like one would be like Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Um, but um, but yeah, no, no, The Razor's Edge to me was a was a big deal book. Still is. I recommend it to clients. Yeah. I am going to really struggle asking the people that I speak with what their favorite book is because my list of books to read is already like astronomical. I don't need to add more. And I'm like, those both sound really good. I should probably buy those. I mean, I'm I'm with you. My my to read list is probably a few hundred deep at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we have time. I swear that I believe with my full heart that the right book will choose you in the moment. As I'm looking at my 30 to 40 books that I can choose from for my next read, the, it, they pop out at you and they really do hold the lessons that you need to hear in that moment. I I truly believe that. Yes. Yeah, it's true. The, you know, that. There's two things that, again, a little woo-woo, but I I really, as I get older, I believe these more. The universe isn't going to give you anything you can't handle, but it's also going to give you the things you need to know when you're not asking. And um, yeah, trusting in that is challenging, but it's also kind of freeing. And when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, well... Jordan, it's been so fun chatting with you, but can you tell us where we can learn more about you, where we can find out more about your services? Sure. Um, So easiest way is just my website, uh, www.jordannummius.com. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn. Not big on social media. So. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to put that in the show notes so that we can all find it. I just reading your story on your about me page had me like hundred questions popped into my head. So um, I'm really glad I got to answer some of them with you here today. And I really appreciate you coming on and teaching us a little bit more what it means to you to lead with confidence. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. This has been wonderful. I appreciate it. I want to thank you for joining me as we grow together and learn to lead with confidence. Do you know someone who would benefit from hearing today's message? I would love if you would share it with them and share to your Instagram stories. Take me at Desiree Petrick and send me a message if there's a topic you want to have covered. You can also send me an email at leadwithconfidencepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, see you on the next episode of Lead with Confidence.